2: what's going on folks welcome to striking gold your 49ers podcast on the blue wire network this week's episode is sponsored by pepsi and indeed my name is rob lauder i cover the 49ers for you guys right here on blue wire and joining me tonight same guys always joining me my co-host former nfl defensive back eric freaking crocker how you doing brother man
3: i'm i guess i'm doing good you know i had to do some like deep soul searching after the 49ers lost I ended up getting extra workouts in I you know I work out every morning and then i, I went back again and I just had to really just get my mind right get focused for the podcast and and uh, <laughs> yeah it's been a rough 24 hours I'll say that
2: man it's uh it's whew, like overreaction I mean I would okay I'm just gonna call them reaction Mondays because everybody calls them re- overreaction Mondays. And I, I can I can guarantee that a lot of these things that we're seeing out there are definitely overreactions. But man, like
3: what 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 exactly like, you know, have you been seeing? Because I mean, you know, we can kind of talk a little bit about what, you know, we've both kind of seen on Twitter. Then kind of just your take on it or, or your just take on the loss and kind of what you foresee in the next you know, few weeks.
2: There's uh, I've seen a decent amount of comments and and, and you and I have, have talked about this so many times and we know where each other stands on it pretty much. But like I'm see- I've seen people that are just up and ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Week one. I'm done. Give me somebody else, put Tim Mullins out there. We're good. Yeah. And and I, and, and damn. That
3: was that obviously I've seen a lot of that. And I'll say it is. And and not to, you know, Both of us, by nature, are optimists, you know. um, But I'm looking at it, and I I just look at things from, I guess, just a different perspective than most other people. And I just look at it as it was a bad game. (laughs) And and, and that's it, you know. Like, yeah, obviously, you would like to see him come out and be sharp and be on point. He he wasn't. Under threw, uh, you know, uh, a a ball to – uh, uh Kendrick Bourne. Now, if you remember last year, week one, he wasn't sharp either. And I, I don't want to give him a pass for this performance. It sucks even more when you lose, but you know, th- there was no preseason. I'm watching the, the Steelers and giants right now. You see Ben Roethlisberger, obviously. I mean, he hasn't played in a year. Rusty. I watched Tom Brady yesterday while the 49ers are playing rusty. I was watching quarterbacks around the league, Rusty, Rusty, Rusty. And I don't want to give them a pass, but I think there is something to the fact that there there was no preseason. This is their first live action. Like this is the first time where it's like, damn, I can get hit. You know, and if you haven't even gotten a taste of it, like not even in preseason, you're you're kind of sped up a little bit in your head. And I think we saw a lot of that around the league. Now, I know most people probably you know, focus more on the 49er game and maybe didn't watch a lot of the other games. But there was, I thought there was a lot of really up and down play around the league. Now you might look at numbers and just like you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, box score. And his box score looks great. <laughs> like it looks good, you know? Um, <laughs> right. Over 100 quarterback rating, uh, you know, you know, 275 yards, whatever it was, two touchdowns, no picks. You look at that and it's like, well, he played, he played solid. But when you watch the game, you see all the little, oh, I missed that throw, missed that throw, missed that throw. And that was something I really saw around the league where you're going to look at box scores and they might look fine, but guys were missing throws. And I think a lot of that was quarterbacks being kind of sped up. And, you know, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, he's just under a microscope, microscope in, in general. And it seems like there are a lot of people that are ready to just kind of like move on from him for – you know, whatever reason, man. But I was just like, wow. With the comments I was seeing on Twitter, not just with him, I mean, just with the entire 40, they're just ready to abandon the entire, like everything that the 49ers had kind of been doing and building. And I'm like, man, you you don't throw it away because one game where you had a punt blocked, um, you had some, you know, weird calls kind of not go your way. And I don't want to blame the refs. Things like that can happen, you know, both ways. Probably did. But, yeah, some weird calls that kind of didn't really go your way. Uh, a couple uh, uh, penalties that really extended plays and gave the Cardinals a bunch of good field position. You got stopped on the one-yard line on fourth and one. I thought there were a lot of things. Again, I feel com- confident and I feel confident right now saying that the 49ers are the better team. I feel like there were a few things that didn't really go their way and or they didn't capitalize on it. And that's what I focus on more. Can you capitalize on other people's mistakes? Or when you have something good going, can you, can you just make that extra play? Again, like the Kendrick Bourne pass to the end zone or, you know, fourth and one or not getting your pump block, those type of things. If you tweak that, this game's not even close. So I just look at it from that perspective. I'm not going into panic mode or anything like that. It's just, hey, let's get a little sharper here. Let's get a little sharper. Let's not have the blown coverage on defense, right? 49ers didn't have that last year. You didn't see them, but you know when you did see the blown coverages? And preseason. Did we have a preseason this this year? No. Go back to the dress rehearsal when somehow Solomon Thomas got caught in man-to-man on a wheel route that went for like a 60, 70-yard touchdown. Those type of things didn't really happen in the regular season. So, you know, I just look at it as, hey, they didn't play their best ball. You have a huge opportunity right now the next two weeks to really get after it with the Jets and then the Giants Start two on one, get things going, get Debo back, get IU back, start getting a little rhythm, a little groove, and I think it's gonna be fine. It was one game. Now if we're talking if we're having this same conversation, I'll even say three weeks from now, then yeah, you can you can kind of start to hit the panic button if you're not seeing things click. But right now, I I, I just I just couldn't see myself panicking the way that Twitter was. I mean it, it it was, I was seeing stuff and I was just like, I'm not even going to respond to this stuff. I'm not <laughs> going to you know, I'm not gonna respond. People, oh, you know, what about Snoop? And I'll say this if, if you were going to bring in Snoop and, you know, is he going to, he is a better version of what the 49ers have out there right now, but he has the same issues. He's not stretching the field. And that's the biggest issue right now. There's no field stretcher. It's supposed to be Dante Pettis. He's not that. He's not very good. And I don't want to just give up on him, but he had a huge opportunity to prove himself, and I felt like he didn't do that. So I am kind of, you know, disappointed in him, and we'll kind of get into that. But, uh, yeah, man, it's it's it was more frustrating probably reading a lot of the tweets and the overreactions. To people, I respect their opinions, but it's just like, gosh, really, guys? <laughs>
2: Well, it's just a, it's a, it, a lot of times it just seems like a, a lack of thought, <laughs> like it's just a lack of taking a deep breath and just thinking about the things you're saying, without coming off as crazy. Or, you know, it's just sometimes it just looks like you know, like when you watch a movie, and it's like let's say it's like an action movie or something, and there's always some annoying person in, in an intense scene that's like freaking out. And nobody likes that person because they're freaking out. And everybody's like, calm down, calm down. And this person's like, I can't calm down. This is, you know, and they're just losing their mind. And everybody in the movie that's watching the movie just wants that person to be the first person that gets killed. And, you know, like that's to me is like what a lot of 49ers Twitter was today. Like all these people that are just, I'm not, no, I'm not saying I want you to get killed. I'm talking about a movie. But um, like all these people that are just so intensely overreacting to the first football game of the year that obviously went horrible. And like Crocker said, like if the punt doesn't get blocked, I mean, assuming the 49ers defense generates a stop when the ball is actually punted, that punt doesn't get blocked, which was essentially like a punt six because they scored on the next play. Like you win the game. If they score on fourth and one, which from one angle, it looked like Raheem was able to get the ball across the line, but the refs couldn't see it. I don't blame them. um, You win the game. Like, it was a four they lost by four points to a team that we knew was gonna be game. And to me, it just there were some definitely some bad things to a team but this that isn't...
3: challenged them twice last year. Like it, it right. wasn't really like a gimme. I think the most frustrating part to me is the opportunities were there. I think the crazy thing is the overreactions via Twitter. And again, I'm not saying that there aren't things that I, I you know I want to see the 49ers improve on. Definitely there are a bunch of areas I felt like they can improve on. But I'm not willing to abandon everything, including the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, which, okay, he was off. All right. He had an off game. Like, do better next week. And I think that should just be the conversation, not, oh, Kyle clearly doesn't trust him. Look, oh, they're not pushing the ball down. Well, yeah. Like, who are they supposed to push the ball downfield to? Who? Unless you dial right. up for George Kittle, but he got down towards ACL and he was trying to <laughs> in the, chill, and, chill. And the Cardinals were bracketing them. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, who's gonna who's gonna stretch the field for you? Like you know, those are things that you know you 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 gotta have your guys and or and you have to at least have either Debo or Ayuk out there. You know, just to give the threat of somebody that can go deep. Because the guys so you're telling have, me
2: that like they if they don't have their their two starting receivers, they're two best receivers out there. It's it's kind of like a big deal or?
3: I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's, those are the two best for a reason. And I don't want to crown Ayuk like, just as being just the second best because, you right. know, he he That's hasn't fair. even played a game yet. But from all reports that I'm hearing, and, and this is where I'm, I'm putting a lot of stock in, I want to say it was Mayoko or, or Barrows, where they're saying, that was the most active they've seen from any rookie in their entire career. I think it was Mayoko because he's been there a really long time. He said that was the most impressive he's been by a, by a rookie receiver. And you couple that with a lot of what, you know, Grant Cohn was saying with, hey, you know, he had the most catches out of any receiver from Jimmy Garoppolo. So we're, we, we're not just talking about a normal, you know, rookie. We're, we're talking about somebody who has a very good skill set and was putting that skill set on full display from the start. And even if he doesn't really have it all the way 100% mentally there, just his ability alone, he's a more explosive player than anyone else the 49ers have on the field. So when, you, when you're when you missing that, not just being an explosive player, but a good receiver, that, that's kind of a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like that, That's a big deal. It allowed the Cardinals to really line up in a way to where it's like, you know, we don't respect the fact that you guys can beat us deep. So we're going to kind of bring everybody up or we can play off and know we can jump your routes because you're not, is Trent Taylor going deep? No. So we can play off and sit and jump any, you know, the first move that he makes. Those are the things that make it really difficult. Even on a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, where he's not being as sharp as he can be. And now he's being forced to really make these tight throws and he he wasn't and Jimmy wasn't that guy yesterday. So, you know, I'm pretty sure he will want to see a guy that's a little bit more explosive in and out of his breaks get get the rock or you know be out there. Uh, I'm not gonna kill everybody. Let's just see what they do next week. You play the you play the Jets. That's a get a nice get back on track game, and you know that's just a game that you have to win.
2: Right. But anyway, I, th- I think we've done a good, I think you did a good job covering kind of like the general, how at least both of us feel that the general thought process should be right now. Because I think a lot of people just need to take a step back. So we're going to move on because me and Crocker talked beforehand. If we're going to do, if we're going to pod like three or four times a week, we know that we need to be a little quicker with our thoughts. Like we're going to try it for our own sakes. I know, I know a lot of you guys have said that you like listening to the longer podcasts, which is great. And and I'm sure there will be plenty of times where we do go longer, but we've for our own sakes and for that of our significant others, we're going to try and be a little shorter with our pods. That way, you know, the the increased productivity doesn't necessarily have, have some sort of negative impact. So, you know, you know, a lot of you guys out there know what I'm talking about right now. So anyways, um, I'm going to briefly, before we get to some words with our sponsors, I'm going to briefly go over uh, some of the things that Kyle Shanahan said in today's press conference. And, one of the first things I, I will mention just cause it kind of blends in with what Crocker was just saying, not only were the whiteouts not the starting whiteouts, both the starting whiteouts are, are hurt or, you know, and, and weren't out there, but Shanahan even said that the whiteouts weren't even a huge part of the game plan going into it. So whatever non-activity you saw from the whiteouts that could have contributed to it. I'm, I'm not saying that that's the only reason that they weren't productive because you can, you know, that's Garofalo is also a factor in that, but He did say that. But anyways, so the first thing he covered.
3: Also, you know, just to add to that real quick, those guys, all those receivers out there are like fourth and fifth options. So you can't like game plan something around them. I know like Kendrick Bourne, right? Everybody, you know, justice justice for Kendrick Bourne hashtags. Like I like Kendrick Bourne as a fourth option. He, you know, when I have Debo out there and, you know, last year Emmanuel Sanders and I have George Kittle, and then Bourne's on the field, yes, like he can do well with in 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 that mix. But when you, you you're not gonna game plan around Kendrick Bourne, you're not gonna game plan around Trent Taylor. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like you're you're not gonna do that. Now you can game plan around Debo Samuel, and you'll know how he's gonna fit in Ayuk, and then. You know, a guy like Kendrick Bourne or Trent Taylor or whatever can be the next guy after that. But if I don't have Trent, uh, if I don't have Ayuk or Samuel on the field, hell no, I'm not game planning my, my. my I'm not doing my game plan around Kendrick Bourne and these guys. And that's no disrespect to them. I like Kendrick Bourne. I like Trent Taylor. I like them for what they are. They're solid fourth and fifth options. But that, that's not, you're not going to, you know, scheme a game plan around them, so that that's kind of what I take from that.
2: Yeah, no, and and, it, and that's one hundred percent. Like, yeah, you don't go into a, you don't go into the game planning process saying, okay, like this is Trent Taylor's game right here. Like, let's just no matter what we do, let's just feed Trent Taylor the ball. And maybe there maybe there will there will, that will come, there will come a time for that, but that's that's not right now. So, in addition, the first thing that Shanahan. Covered right off the bat was he said that George Kittle has a knee sprain. They don't consider it to be serious, but he also wasn't sure if that was, if he was going to be able to go this weekend um, against the Jets. So we'll see, uh, you, you know, at the same, it's not serious. It's not something that He's going to, he's expected to miss weeks. They're just not sure how much he's going to be able to practice and, and what his status will be for the game. So, and that was unfortunate. You know, it was kind of just a, a play that had a whole bunch of factors going into it. You know, Kendrick Bourne missed his block. Jimmy Garoppolo threw it high. You put the two together, and, you know, you get a hyperextended knee. So, you know, George Kittle was able to walk around under his own powder, uh, powder, power, and, you know, he he walked off the field at halftime. He came back into the game, played the entire second half. His knee injury wasn't the reason. Uh, Shanahan said that he didn't get the ball in the second half. He just said the Cardinals put a lot of focus on him. So... Um, that's the status with George Kittle. Debo Samuel. Now, this has some gray area in my opinion, but Debo Samuel apparently did have some sort of a setback, and that is why they put him on IR. It wasn't because I kind of my first assumption was that they were kind of being safe with him, and apparently that wasn't really the case. He he, Kyle Shanahan said he had a little bit of workout, and he got sore during the workout, and then the soreness didn't go away and got worse. Kyle, I, I don't believe Kyle Shanahan said anything about like an x-ray or whether or not they fear he could have like re-injured it, but they put him on IR and they still are hoping to have him for the week four game um, against the Eagles in Levi's stadium. Um, but there's a little bit of gray area there, gray area there as far as what that setback entails and how significant it is. Um, because like, I mean, in, in terms of a his broken foot, I mean, if he were like to re-break it, somehow, then you'd probably be looking at most of the season. So, you know, it's- And
3: that's when I would, I get the question, oh, should I bring in this guy? Yeah.
2: <laughs> if Debo is right.
3: broken, now you can be more aggressive with possibly a trade or, you know, definitely bringing in new. 100%. Uh, yeah. If, if, if there's a setback and it's something I might keep him out a while, you know, I get a lot of receiver questions. Definitely, like, if Debo's going to be out, you 100% look to I- improve that position.
2: Yeah. Right. I agree. And then, so moving on, um, Shanahan did acknowledge that, and, and this it's, he's not an idiot. Shanahan acknowledged that Garoppolo struggled, that he missed a lot of throws, that he just didn't look great. But he kind of said, said it in a way, like, everybody misplays. Like, we all kind of played horrible together. The defense struggled after a while, which is, is to be understood considering how much they had to be on the field. Um, Garoppolo missed throws, and, you know, there were some other plays in there where it seemed like kind of what Shanahan was saying is that everybody kind of screwed up unanimously, and Garoppolo was just a factor in that, which is true. But at the same time, like Crocker said, your your $27 million starting quarterback is always going to have a bigger magnifying glass than, than really anybody else. So, um, yeah, and, and, and Shanahan did mention that, and again, this is for those of you out there that can consider that there's multiple factors that go into a single scenario. But Shanahan did talk about the fact that that had Kendrick Bourne gone up after that pass in the end zone and not kind of stood there and waited on it, that at the very least he would have gotten PI'd because of the way kind of Peterson was just running at him. And, and the ball ended up hitting him in kind of like in the in the top part of his helmet or in his back. So and he says if if Kendrick Bourne kind of would have planted and then just gone up for it, like we've seen Kendrick do many times. Like, you can, he, he knows how to, like, it's not something he hasn't done. Um, at the very least, Peterson would have plowed into him and got the PI, it would have been obvious. Um, or he would have caught the pass. So even right. and Shanahan I, and I think did I say,
3: that yesterday, too, right? I, I think I talked about it on the podcast, right? Yesterday. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah. and, and then I think midway through the pod, you were like, Hey, Kendrick Bourne said he should have went up and tack, attacked it, and you, 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 should have. That is more of a vent move when it's like clear that the ball is underthrown, just stop and jump. And you know that contact is coming. And then sell it, kind of like what we saw uh, Jalen right. Ramsey do last night. Sell
2: it. Put it right. on thick. Hey, Flare your arms out. Game's on the <laughs> line. You do what you got to do.
3: Yeah, you will get that call.
2: Right. And so it was and, – and, again, the reason I said a few seconds ago that this is for people that can consider multiple things about a scenario. Like, yes, the ball was underthrown, and it was not a good throw. It was, under, it was late, it was underthrown, and he floated it. And so it was all these thing, these things that make a poor pass, and that thus giving Kendrick Bourne the time to go up after it, if you wanted to. So yes, I'm not by 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 critiquing Kendrick Bourne a little bit. I'm not absolving Jimmy Garoppolo of the bad throw. There's just multiple things that happened on one play, and like I said yesterday, I'm a receivers guy. So if I see something wrong with what a receiver did in a play, that's always going to be the first thing I think of because it kind of goes with what Crocker's. A buddy told him like, just assume that all quarterbacks suck and it's your job to make them look good by making these plays. So, you know, that was just an, a small opportunity. Well, a big opportunity for, uh, for Kendrick Bourne to make a play just to make Jimmy not look as bad as he made himself look. Um, the 49ers are bringing in or did bring in um, Ezekiel Ansa for a workout and defensive end. Um, former Lions guy spent some time on the Seahawks too. And, You know, he's, he spent some time with the defensive line coach, Chris Kacarek. So uh, that would, I would assume that's something that they, that they make happen. They've kind of been talking about it for a while. So, I mean, unless they can't agree to some sort of a contract, I I would, I think it's a safe assumption. They're probably going to sign him as, as, as depth. Um, Kyle Shanahan did say that he had concern for Richie James' hamstring injury. Richie James left the game pretty early uh yesterday with a hamstring injury and Kyle Shanahan said he was concerned about it. So it could be a pretty significant strain that that they expect to keep him out for maybe a month or two or or more, you know, if if it's something worse than that. But anytime Kyle Shanahan just comes out like that and says, "Yeah, he's concerned." You know, it's it's more I would be surprised if it's not serious. So uh, you know, this is just speculation right now, but the 49ers could be preparing to lose Richie James. And that's when he was asked, like, hey, is Muhammad, Muhammad Sanu a, a possibility? And he said, "He said, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, and, and he, I, I, I need to go back and find the exact quote. But I, let me see, because yeah, I put it on my Twitter right here. Um, he says, I wouldn't rule it out. And then he kind of paused and then said, at all. <laughs> so... I mean, and then I uh, what I tweeted was uh, that I was activating my Kyle Shanahan translator, and that quote should read "Get him in here yesterday." So, you know, it seemed like that's just kind of just from the way I know Kyle Shanahan talks. That seemed to me like, uh, yeah, we could we could use him, you know, and that could yeah. come with him being underwhelmed by what happened yesterday and Richie James's injury. And Debo Samuels, hopefully subtle setback. So there's a lot of things that go into that, but that's just how I read it. But you got any, uh, any thoughts on any of the, any of the news?
3: No, I think the um, last thing I just want to touch on real quick, cause I don't think I talked about it yesterday. Um, there are a lot of people that is kind of been a narrative for the last two years, for sure. People saying that the 49ers struggled to defend the running quarterback and like why they struggle so much with it and stuff like that. And I kind of had some thoughts and I was thinking about it and I'm like, man, why do the 49ers struggle with these quarterbacks second run? And the thing I came up with was everybody kind of struggles against them.
2: I was like, just going like, to say, yeah, everybody yeah, does. Yeah,
3: you know, it's like, oh, Lamar Jackson, like, look, 49ers can't. It's like, well, he did run for like 1,200 yards last year. Oh, uh, Russell Wilson, like 49ers don't really know how to play against scrambling quarterbacks. And then I just see like him and Steve Young are like the only quarterbacks with like 30,000 yards and like 4,000 rushing yards. It was something crazy like that. It's like you know, and then Kyler Murray, like he's going to be a factor on the ground. That It's not just a 49er thing, it's a league wide thing. And that's why those quarterbacks, those type of quarterbacks that can move, they're so, you know, kind of highly coveted because, you know, especially if they can throw like those guys can throw, it makes it really difficult on your defense. And yeah, the 49ers are definitely going to have to figure out uh, a better game plan to slow it down. But the, the, the fact I think people think like the 49ers are the only ones having these issues and they're like no that's the that's the issue for all teams every time they go into playing these games uh, these type of quarterbacks so that is one thing where I'm like okay yeah 49ers you got to figure it out but I I hear you know I, I see it on Twitter or I hear you know it on podcast and I want to be like hold on like A lot of teams are having the same type of issue. Hell, I just saw Ben Roethlisberger run for like 15 yards. (laughs) You know, so it's like you know, it's tough. It's tough for it's it's tough accounting for a quarterback that can run, and that's kind of my last thing I want to say about.
2: Well, it's and 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 I will say this to add to some some context: teams can game plan against a quarterback and an offense that is predicated around like running the football, kind of like how the 49ers used to do with Colin Kaepernick and the read option or zone option, whatever you want to call it. Like that is something you can game plan against. But Kyler, most of Kyler Murray's damage was off schedule plays where the dude, you know, th- there's a defensive line rushing the passer. They lose a little bit of the, their gap integrity and then he sees an opportunity and he just takes off. Like that's not part of a game plan. And the only way you can game plan against that is you're going to sacrifice a defender that would have normally been dropping back into a zone or into coverage, and you're just going to have him sit right behind the line of scrimmage and watch Kyler Murray. And even then, you're still talking about a Kyler Murray who obviously is very shifty and very quick, and there's no guarantee that the defender that you've now sacrificed to do nothing but spy Kyler Murray is even going to be able to tackle him when he does run because Kyler Murray's a freak. So it's like there's no perfect plan for this stuff sure if the if the Cardinals were running like the read option and you knew you needed a guy that was his responsibility was the quarterback every play and this guy's responsibility was the running back and then you're telling this guy hey, I don't care if he hands the ball off or not you hit the quarterback. Yeah, sure you can do that but these aren't that's not what was beating the 49ers yesterday. it's the off schedule plays where you've got guys dropping 15 20 yards into coverage and there's a, a, a lane is created where for him to run. And he does like like uh, there's not really a solution for that in the n f l it's just the problem with like Crocker said the problem with running quarterbacks it yep. that's that's the problem so it's
3: tough, it's tough. they they stress out they stress out any defense that they play against and yeah 49ers, they're gonna have to figure it out because you see it four times a year in your in your division
2: yep it'll it'll it's yeah <laughs> that's a good way to uh, way to put it. So before we carry, when we come back, I mean, we're going to get a couple words in from our sponsors, uh, but when we come back, Crocker and I are going to go over our winners and losers from the 49ers opening season loss to, uh, to the Cardinals. we'll be right back. The football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Look, everybody knows football's, you know, 2020's been weird and football's finally bringing us back. Some little tiny sense of normalcy, even if there's no stands in the field. So, you know, I'm excited just to be able to kind of in in those moments, in those Sundays, be able to sit down, watch a football game. And yes, for me, I will be drinking Pepsi because I'm a big Pepsi guy. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a, a member of the League of Football Watchers, These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. And even though sports did have a break, your business didn't. You keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try out our free $75 credit as Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions do apply. And the offer is valid through September 30th. Okay. Winners and losers time. And I, and I, and I do think that some of you guys will obviously have some idea of, of who we're going to say. Now, now I can tell that, with Crocker's options, he did try and kind of switch it up. Talk about something that talk about someone that we may not have talked about as much, and I appreciated that. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna start off with the negative. We're gonna start off with the losers, and then that way we can, uh, you know, any cliche kind of end on a positive note. Crocker, why don't you tell me? And anyway, yeah, I'm gonna preface this: winners and losers is kind of like a, I guess it's kind of a brash term. Like, just losers for the week. We don't mean that these guys suck and they shouldn't be playing anymore. Like, people that struggled in this week's game, people that were a non-factor, those are our losers. We're not actually calling them losers as people. Just It's just what we're calling it for now, folks. So, <laughs> don't get upset. Anyways, Crocker, who's your first?
3: Uh, Dante Pettis. And, you know, for reasons I said you know earlier, you, you have an opportunity here to – so hey, this is why I should be on the field, and you know you're working hard, you're putting in all this work in the off season, and the results were a goose egg. I, I think I have, I kind of have an issue with that because, you know, you have to take advantage of the opportunity, and and when you don't, and you I get it, the game plan wasn't surrounding the receivers, but just you know one target, okay, like if if you're beating guys, hey Jimmy. I'm I beat this guy on this, or I'm beating him on that, or I'm getting open on this. You know, talk to him so maybe he can come looking looking for you. But just zero, you know, zero catches, and you're out there for an entire game. You're just running around. I haven't. He, to me, he was definitely my main. Lo- well, I think the next guy was a, a big loser as well. But yeah, man, like that that just can't happen. That just can't happen. And now, you know, they're gonna possibly you know sign somebody or bring somebody in because you were just completely non-existent. So, obviously I haven't seen the all 22 yet. Maybe he was beating guys, but if you were, then go tell Jimmy so he can like focus on you and look for you and Kyle can draw things up. You know, be a little bit more uh, you know, you know, voice your opinion on this. And and that's what the the guys that are really good, that's what they do.
2: Yeah, and I'm watching I'm watching right now that one rep that everybody's getting that Dante Pettis is one target on the game. Jimmy Garoppolo hits him on coming like a deep post that crossed the field and it was going to end up, it, you know, it was like a post from the slot. So he ends up kind of almost catching the ball where you would normally catch it if you're running like a corner from the right side over near the pylon. And the ball is overthrown. And it, and, and a lot. I saw a lot of people saying like, why didn't he dive in some of that stuff? And, and I'm looking at the pass and I'm not sure it was necessarily something he could have. It almost looks like it was over his head. It's such a weird angle from where the camera is, but and right when the ball is kind of passing over his head or out in front of him, it's hard to tell. He he you know he might have been able to dive, but he instantly gets deleted by the safety and he just cracks him. And so in the moment, if he would have decided to dive, he would have been. Deleted out as he was diving. So I mean, it's not. I'm not trying to absolve Dante Pettis of any blame or anything like that. Obviously, he didn't have a good game. If this is his one and only target, um, but it was just like it's just a weird play to kind of focus on. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still with you though. the The opportunity this, the opportunity is there with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk not playing. Like somebody's gonna step up, and and even if they weren't part of the game plan at least prove to to Kyle that you're worth targeting. And and we'll see if he's going to break down this film play-by-play play and he'll know, you know, which of the receivers he feels like he can focus on, you know, moving forward. So we'll see. But that, to me, that play is a weird one to like focus on. There's another one that I saw. Um, there's also one where uh, Raheem is is running right behind, um, no, excuse me. That's Jarek McKinnon. Mahe- Jarek McKinnon's running right behind Dante Pettis in the open field, and Dante Pettis just essentially completely whiffs on a on a block. And and if if you you know, obviously Dante Pettis is not going to be the most physical whiteout, but yeah, he he did not do a good job blocking that. So, anyways, my first loser uh, had to be Jimmy Garoppolo. There was no way I wasn't. We were going to be able to because I knew Croc didn't pick him, and I was new way. Uh, there was no way that we were going to be able to get of get rid of, why am I trying to talk here? I'm like freaking out, not freaking out, but I'm like, my brain's malfunctioning right now. There's no way we were going to be able to get away with not including him. That's what I was trying to say. And it was just not the type of performance you want to see from a guy who's, you know, going into, he's been with the 49ers for essentially three years now. This was his sec after, after, you know, taking the team to the Super Bowl in his first full season as a starter. This is the th- the type of time where you, you feel like you want to start seeing like a veteran presence under center. Somebody who knows the offense, somebody who knows where to go with the ball, somebody who knows the timing of these throws, somebody who just kind of generally, you know, can command the offense. There there should only be one person on that field that knows the offense better than, than Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's Kyle Shanahan. And there's there were times where it just didn't seem like Jimmy Garoppolo was all that confident in what he was doing out there. And, and he missed plenty of throws. We've already talked about the one to Kendrick Bourne that he just let float in the air and it was underthrown to a guy that that got open against a really talented defensive back. And then you had the one to to kind of seal the game shut or to, you know, it it did seal the game shut where, you know, Trent Taylor, they needed five yards. Trent Taylor ran a good route. I think he ran it like right around six yards, five to six yards, a little out route. Uh, The route you would ask somebody like Trent Taylor to run. And Jimmy Garoppolo was late on the throw, which to me, that's what I'm talking about when I say like, like these are the, the timing throws and the, the knowledge of the offense where you'd expect a guy to just make that throw knowing right about where Trent Taylor was going to be or was supposed to be and, and can put him on him. Instead, he kind of waits, wants to see Trent Taylor open, and he doesn't throw the ball with any kind of velocity. And, it, and it, Trent Taylor was open, but it gave the defensive back time to cut in. And he missed so many other throws. You know, he kind of left Hiddle, Kittle. Kittle kind of left Kittle hanging out to dry there on that one. And it wasn't a crazy pass, but it was too high for a pass that's simply just turning and throwing it out there. And, you know, he missed some other opportunities. There was one point where and he lost control of the football, and it looked like he was just freaking out in the pocket, like just moving all around, all funny. Um, but in reality, he almost just dropped the football. You know, and and so there was just so many little times where it looked like everybody was rusty, and Jimmy was was maybe nobody was more more rusty than Jimmy. So, I mean, there was no way we were going to able to do a, a winners and losers without me talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. So, I mean, he right. did have a bad game. Everybody in this sport has bad games. Like y'all need to realize that the best players in the NFL have bad games, and that's not an excuse for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just the reality of things. And I don't feel like you need to think the world is falling when Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game because you're perfectly happy when he has the good games and everybody's all fired up, but you need to be able to handle the bad games as well. And if those bad games start to obviously outweigh the good ones, then that's when you, you know, that's when it's time to to, to make changes and that's when it's time to think about other things. But I, that's not right now. like, just chill out a little bit, dude. Had a bad game. We'll see where it goes from here. What about what, what about your uh, your next loser there, Kroc?
3: Yeah, my next loser, uh, D Ford. And I haven't looked at his stat line. I'm actually gonna look look for it right now. But he was just kind of out there, like Dante Pettis, just running around. Um, I saw zero like impact plays at all. Like there was no you know pressure on the quarterback. Uh, was he flushing the quarterback out of the pocket? Again, I, you know, I haven't. I just kind of watched the game, and ju- you know, just kind of like as a fan, not as like someone that was kind of gonna, you know, talk about him on a podcast. But just from a fan's perspective and just watching the game, I he was non-existent. And you're counting on a guy like him to generate, you know, instant pressure, and he definitely didn't give you any of that. I saw Bosa flying around, flashing, you know, left and right. Uh, didn't get the sack, but uh, you know, definitely was, you know, you 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 felt his presence. I didn't feel the same thing from D Fort, and I'm looking up his. So it looks like he has three, three tackles. You know, one solo and a you know a half tackle for loss. So I mean, is Kerry Hider had you know more production? You know, it, it is. You need more from that from a guy that you're 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 paying good money to D four. And you would expect him to have a little bit more, you know, feel his presence more than what you did.
2: Right. Yeah. And I I don't have I don't have access to uh like pro pro football focuses more advanced stats, but you know, he didn't have a good grade, you know, he, in his first first uh, you know, game, in this game he had a fifty nine point one. And again, if pro football focus isn't your thing, that's fine. Um, but all they really had him for was one solo tackle and one assist, and that's it. You know, whereas as as Nick Bosa was a little bit more uh, obviously, not a little bit more, a lot of more of an impact. So uh, my and, and second
3: Nick Bosa wasn't wasn't like more impactful in the sense of the uh, the you know the box score. You still felt his presence on the field. You still saw him. Oh yeah, 100. You, know, you know, chasing guys, flushing them out the pocket on the ground, trying to grab a leg. Like you know, you you just. You just kept seeing Nick Bosa, and with Ford, it was like, "Need we need more? We need more of our our you know big big uh our edge rusher that you you know you're paying a ton of money to."
2: Right, and for my uh, for my second loser, I ended up going with Quan Alexander, who I saw, you know, becoming a victim of of bad play multiple times throughout the game. The one he just he just I mean he just didn't seem. Like he was really in it. And there was there was one at one point he would initially it was along the, the Cardinals sideline. He initially dropped into coverage and was kind of in like his his zone in the flat is what it looked like. He could have been in man, but in, in anyways, his man was kind of near the flat. And then Kyler Murray started escaping the pocket to uh, Alexander's side. And Alexander initially started to come up to like kind of pursue Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray committed to running and then was well beyond the line of scrimmage, maybe two or three yards. And then Quan Alexander out of nowhere, just turns around and goes back to covering his guy. When Kyler Murray is running right at him, like he, he kind of Quan Alexander now has his back to him. And, and he's like, it's almost like he ran away. From, like, obviously that's not what he's doing, but he had such a bad, feel for what the, where he was on the field versus what Kyler Murray was doing. I believe that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to check my Twitter just to make sure I've got it, but I believe it was on like a third and 17 and Quan Alexander just completely misread what was happening and ended up just allowing Kyler Murray to run right by. Yeah, it was a third and 17 and Kyler Murray scrambled right at him. And for some reason he thought he still needed to be in coverage and 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 allowed Kyler Murray to pick that up. It was just like a and that was on the drive that the the I think it was the yeah, it was the drive to give the Cardinals their first lead, I believe. So it it was just this inexplicable from a guy who's been in the league for a while, who's kind of like their veteran linebacker. And it just I could not explain what was happening. I was just looking at it like I looked around the room. I was like, "Did I just see that? Like, is that really what just happened?" And it was just such a a bad play. I just i I could not get it out of my mind for a while. It was just rough. And it's and it's obviously Quan Alexander is a respectable linebacker. He knows what he's doing. But that was just a a rough, rough play. And it kind of reminded me of the fact that I I unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe Quan Alexander was very good in the Super Bowl either you know because he kind of made his comeback for that game and i don't I remember him struggling then too so it was just a it was just a rough look so all right crocker so so take us we're going to turn the corner and we're going to go to someplace a bit more positive now why don't you take us to your first winner somebody who managed to overcome the disappointments on sunday
3: yeah uh first winner i have uh trent taylor you know, I thought
2: you mean never, Trent Williams. I mean
3: Trent Williams, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> clearly, clearly, uh, Trent Williams. <laughs> uh, Trent Williams. I, I just thought he was really good. I mean, I know we saw the big play of him just like beelining straight to the middle linebacker and just blowing him up. Uh that was exciting to see. And I was like, damn, linebacker, you gotta keep you gotta keep your hand in the swivel.
2: Right. How play. do you miss that guy?
3: Yeah, right. Like you just have this big ass, tall, wide dude running full speed at you. You just never see him coming. Like that <laughs> that's that's scary. That's scary. Uh but just the way he was moving on that play. I just thought, man, he looked really impressive. And I and I never looked at a play or, you know, a replay or anything and was like, Oh man, that was that was bad by Trent Williams. And I think his PFF score kind of uh, you know, reflected that. I wanna say he was like the highest graded player. On the 49 game. Right. He 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 had he had a terrific game. And you know, yeah, hurry up and and re-sign that dude because <laughs> he he's gonna be really good at you know protecting Jimmy's blind spot.
2: Well, and I believe he only gave up one pressure on the whole game. And he was going up he was going up against Chandler Jones for a lot of those reps. You know, Chandler Jones is a freak. So I believe he only gave up one pressure, he didn't give up a sack, and then he also provided us with that highlight blocking and, and yeah he was he was ruthless man he, he stood out and that is like you said somebody that I feel like they should already be talking to to about what it's going to take to keep him around because he is on like the the back side of his career and and he'd probably it seems like he'd probably be down to kind of just finish out his career in a single spot but you know that's that's going to take effort especially with where the salary cap's going so my first my first winner was somebody I talked about yesterday on the pod, and that had to be Raheem Mostert. And uh, and after I gave him a little bit of a hard time rec- when he requested the trade, uh, I, you know, I got to give him his props. Now that all of that is in the past, and he came out. And if you don't know, he's a, he's he's a friend of mine. We talk often. We play Xbox often. And he's just an all around good good dude. Like they don't make him much more genuine than that guy. And, you know, for him to this far into his career and after the things he accomplished last season to make his first start of his NFL career after being cut by six other teams and finally getting to that point. I mean, just imagine the, the mental toughness and the fortitude it took to, to withstand being cut by that many teams and not giving up and continuing to work hard enough to where when he was given his opportunity with the 49ers, he was able to grab it and go. And now he's there starting running back and if you know people would think it's weird if anybody else is the first person out there. So it's you know he's he's the 49ers guy now and they were willing to I mean they were willing to to take his trade request and and you know squash it and work with him to make sure that he stick around and he was happy and so that I mean and obviously one of the first plays of the game was was Raheem Mostert ripping off that 76-yard touchdown where he became the fastest player in the NFL over the past uh, three seasons. I think it was twenty-two point seven miles per hour. Look, folks, you—if if Raheem Mostert is running twenty-two point seven miles an hour, he's almost at the speed limit in a residential area. Like, I'm not sure we're understanding just how fast that is. Like, if he ran through a school zone, a cop would be like looking at him, like, "Hey, you better you better slow it down a little bit because you're close." Like, I mean, that's really fast, and. Uh, He told me um, while we were playing some Warzone that before Marquise Goodwin was traded, Marquise Goodwin told Raheem Mostert that he was the fastest person on that team. And, you know, teammates gas each other up and stuff like that. But Marquise Goodwin is an an Olympic athlete and one of the fastest players in the NFL and if not the fastest player in the NFL – and he took, and he and he seemed to think that Raheem was faster than him. And like I said, that could just be you know some friendly gas. But at the same time, like we just saw what he did on that play. Like, you no, know, that was
3: incredible. He, like, j- just to you know, we, Simmons runs in the four threes, and to pull away the way he did from somebody that can run, like even if let's say Simmons doesn't play at four three nine speed, say he plays at four five speed, it, it was still impressive with the way that he He just made it look like dude was jogging, and then the the really impressive part was the way that he split the other two defenders, one with pat P, and he just was like, "I'm not catching him and then the other one was the safety when when you're we talk about his him how he kills angles, and when you're when you're moving like that, man, can we get some receivers to move like that? Can we get some receivers that can kill angles like that? you know what I'm saying like that that was like. That was something that was, I was like, dang, that's that's really different. And I, we've seen it on a numerous amount of runs where he's killing angles, a lot of them, even in the goal line where, you know, inside the 10, where he kind of just hits the hole so fast, guys end up running into each other while he's running to the end zone. But this was one of the first times where I was able to see it just like in the open field where it's just like I'm killing angles and running away from somebody that ran in the four threes. And you guys have no chance of catching me. We're talking about a pass that was maybe traveled eight yards in the air. That was, that was extremely, extremely impressive. And another thing I really like, you know, he didn't have his best game like on the ground, but I like how they didn't go away from it. You know, he had like 15 carries for 50 something yards, maybe one of his lower, you know, yards per carry, but they kept pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. And I really kind of like appreciated that part of it because with somebody like him with his ability the more you give him the ball, he's liable to break one of these. And you know, I think in the next game, even if it doesn't start off where he's not getting these big chunk plays, there's going to be some runs where he's going to be a, a one missed tackle away from scoring and it's is I'd bet money that is going to happen.
2: Yeah, no, it's it was it was just an absolutely freaky display of speed. Like you just don't see that that often. It's just there wasn't an there wasn't a player in the NFL that was catching him even if you let them start sprinting right along with him let alone a defender that has to adjust what the direction they're running to try and account for him like there was just no way like it was just a ridiculous speed and uh you know and then that's and then that's why they you know that's that's when, the, you know, you're running fast when you say, "Hey, uh, you just ran faster than any NFL player in the last three years with the ball in your hand." Like, congrats, bro! Yeah. You're you're being told that you're the fastest among these freak athletes. <laughs> like, right. it's it's just it's hard to, and I'm not the one to do it, but it's it's hard to put into words just how impressive that is. So, okay, so I got Raheem. Uh, who's your next winner, Croc? Javon Kinlaw.
3: You know, he was someone that, you know, according to PFF, he graded out well. But even outside of that, there were some things, you know, obviously grumbles about him not being a good, uh, you know, pass rusher. And, you know, he's more of a run stopper, you know, type guy right now, only a two down guy. And that was how they used him. They used him on like first and second downs in obvious passing situations. He wasn't in there. But when I first noticed him, I was just like, man, let me watch Javon Kinlaw on this play. Like, and sometimes I do that. I don't know if you do that as well. But sometimes I'm just like, let me let me watch this guy. And I watched Javon Kinlaw, and he just immediately beat either the center or the guard right off the ball. Boom, just hands, nice pass rush move, went right by him, and, you know, forced the quarterback to get rid of the ball right now. And I I was like, wow, that was really good. And I tweeted out, like, man, like, Javon Kinlaw on that second down, like, he really, you know, just beat the guy immediately. Uh, And then later I saw him – it was a run play where I was just watching his effort, man. And I'm like, man, like, you know, got in there immediately. Uh, running back went one way, changed directions. He's over here chasing him and just the effort. And I saw another play effort. And I'm like, man, I like I, I like what I'm seeing. Obviously, you want him to be, you know, not saying be what Buckner was, but, you know, a, a guy that, you know, eventually turns into a guy where, you know, you don't have to take him off the field and pass, um, pass obvious, obvious passing situations. But just the little sample size I did see, uh, I was I was impressed with with that. Where I'm just like, okay, that that's good. That's something to build off of. Now let's see, you know, where is he going to be after the first quarter of the season?
2: The only thing Javon Kinlaw needs to do right now is give the Forty ers a reason to keep him on the field. You know, and that's, and and that can mean any number of things, but you know right now he he had his his first game as a pro was good enough for the 49ers to not have to consider him not being on the field when he was supposed to be on the field if that makes sense you know and and he's going to start you know they he's going to be a rotational guy in his rookie year and that's kind of kind of how armstead was when he started but it's going to be a matter of that, that if he plays well enough then those snaps will become more and more frequent and he'll spend less time off the field and that's all he needs to do is Make sure that the 49ers don't have a reason to take him off the field. And from what I saw on or last or from from Sunday, like they don't, they don't have a reason. You know, and and that doesn't mean that he's going to get all the snaps, but it means that you know when he's in there, the 49ers feel good about his place. And for a rookie, that's all you can do is is do that and continue to sponge everything in and uh and keep it going i t- dude while we were potting i text raheem and i just wrote dude you're fast <laughs> and he <laughs> writes back man i'm just out there running <laughs> yeah. he's, he's he's such a humble guy man um okay so my last winner um and there were a few people i could have plugged in here I, I wanted to give a shout out to, to Jarek mckinnon because you know obviously he gets his first game in two years and you know, finds the end zone, looked pretty good doing it. Um, you know, was was he was a factor, which is a, a huge deal for him after. He said he woke up that morning and just shed a little tear because he was kind of getting trying, finally going to get to play in a football game. And so you got to feel good about that. But that was me cheating a little bit. My second winner is uh, Nick Bosa because he's going to go throughout this season – And he's no surprise to anybody anymore. He's considered, he's going to be considered by defensive coordinators, or excuse me, as offensive coordinators as, as a as a premier rusher. Like he is going to get the attention that any other premier edge rusher in the NFL will get. Nick Bosa will get. Like that is he's already established himself that he is to be taken seriously. And despite the Cardinals knowing that, Nick Bosa was still all over the place. He was all up on. Kyler Murray. I don't think he registered an even a sack. But it's you just have to watch the game and see this guy disrupt the backfield. And and you know, Kyler Murray's scrambling might not have worked out for the 49ers, but you can't fault a pass rusher for getting back there and doing what he's supposed to do. And he had some great tackles where he was kind of scraping along the along the line of scrimmage and meeting a ball carrier at the hole. He had, he had I think he had a couple tackles for loss. Um, He just looked good. And and he's now going to have to contend with with everything that offensive coordinator wants to throw to him. And, you know, for his first game in his second year, where everybody knows what Nick Gavosa is all about, I thought he did really, really well. And he might have been the 49ers. You know, you can't just look at the box score on this. You have to to watch the game. He might have been the 49ers' most impactful defender. You know, his numbers weren't crazy, but he was just consistently getting in the backfield. And I believe... As the game wore on, they started double teaming him more and more they would keep a tight end to at the very least chip him so you know and that's what that the kind of impact you want to see from from a guy like him and it's again it's not a box score thing there weren't big numbers, but you just you just gotta watch it you just gotta see what he's doing out there and, and it's it's impossible not to appreciate um yeah. just what that guy brings to the defense
3: yeah, but man, that's whoop. Uh, you know, a, a bunch of things that you would like to see them improve on, but there are also, you know, were some, you know, bright spots. Like I said, watching the game, I felt like the 49ers were a better team. Uh, you know, just figure out a way to stop Hopkins. Probably a lot easier said than done. Um, figure out a different game plan to, you know, spy uh, Kyler Murray, and you know, when there's plays to be made, you 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 got to make them. And you know, I think with that one, I'm I'm really pointing and talking right to Jimmy Garoppolo. So, yeah, got to be a little bit better next week. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, they they, they do it. I, I still – I'm really high on the 49ers. So, they'll probably come out, blow the Jets out, and then people will just start, you know, stop panicking.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm sure the Jets are just a little – I mean, they had their own struggles. But they're not going to be excited about the fact that the 49ers had like a get-right game to open the season. You know, and they're then they're next on the schedule, and you're gonna have a pissed off team that just left the Super Bowl. um, that that had a horrible week one game. And you know, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be an optimist, then just look at it like the 49ers got the Falcons game of last year out of the way early. And I and I have a hell of a lot more respect for the Cardinals than I do the Falcons as far as what they bring to the table. But you know, they they got if, if this team is to be contended with and if this team is what we think they are. Then they got their like their get right what the hell are we doing game out of the way in week one, and now they can go into two very 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 winnable matchups against the Jets and the Giants, and reestablish what they're supposed to be, you know. And and great teams beat the hell out of bad teams, and that's what we should see over the next two weeks. And if we don't, then there's more to talk about. But that's kind of if I had to lean one way, that's what I'm thinking. So I think we're good, man. You good? You good, Croc? Okay, hey, remember we're we're kicking it up here at Striking Gold. I mentioned it uh, yesterday with uh, with Kevin Jones, but Cronker and I are going to be in here a lot more often. Um, tomorrow we won't pod tomorrow, um, but we'll probably between tomorrow and Wednesday we'll put out calls for for mailbag questions, and then on mailbag or on Wednesday on mailbag, we'll on Wednesday we'll do our mailbag episode, um, and we're going to try and do those every week as long as you guys um, send in some questions, we'll do them every week. And then on Thursday we will be doing the the game preview for their their matchup against the Jets. So, um, sh- welcome to, to the 2020 version of Strike and Gold. I hope you guys are as excited about it as we are. And just keep tuning in, keep sh- spreading the word, keep supporting us. Uh, that that just makes that makes everything work. So um, just just keep hanging out, and and we appreciate you for that. Um, hit us up on Twitter. You should know where we are by this time. Um, let us know what you thought of the episode. If you have your own winners or losers and stuff like that, just feel free to hit us up. We'll, we'll have a conversation with you. Um, but for another week, this is Striking Gold signing out. Peace. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. don't forget to use promo code blue wire at betonline.ag that's blue wire all one word BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts
1: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network